Hey everyone, you're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two romance-loving friends recap romance novels scene by scene while swooning, guffawing, and discussing the book as if it's real life. Ooh, we've got some super fun things happening over here. If you sign up for our Patreon at the Feminist Boner tier or higher, you can come to our virtual book club with guest author Tessa Bailey. We have a celebrity guest. On April 29th, she's joining us to hang out and chat and answer your questions and overall be best friends. So if you're interested in that, head to patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast and check out the other rewards too. And today has been a long time coming. All right, we're finally doing the Minotaur Handjob book. Sarah Wendell is with me to recap part one of Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nascasta. Part two will be next week, but patrons already have the video of the recap in full. Thank you for inviting me back. I'm so excited. I fucking love recording with you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That is really nice of you to say. No, not even close. It's just facts. <laughs> somebody somebody paid me the nicest compliment yesterday, and I am still high from this compliment. What was it? Somebody was telling me that they started a book podcast because there were some authors that they really liked. And they were listening and they were like, why am I having the hardest time getting into this? Like, I'm having a really hard time. And she said, I realized I am spoiled because you make conversations seem like two people who are having coffee and chatting and the listener is invited in to the conversation. And it's not like an interview. And even though it is an interview, it's like a, a conversation that everyone is welcome to listen to. And I was like... Oh, thank you. I'm still high. Still yeah. high from that one. And your show is the same. Like like I've said, you and Aaron, especially you like welcome people into your friendship. So part of being in the heaving bosoms community is being part of your friendship. It's 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 like really lovely. I love that part of podcasting. Yeah, same here. Same here cuz it really is so intimate and like I think one of the reasons I'm the most excited about us sort of expanding Heaving Bosoms is that over the years we've built like this network of people that I've grown like real friendships with, you know, like it's, it's really nice. And so to be able to include you regularly and it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. It is. Way to go, by the way. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Very very, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be super fun. Okay. But Sarah. Yes, ma'am. I got to make a Zoom link that said Smart Bosoms Milking Farm today. I could not have been more delighted to receive this calendar invitation to the Smart Bosoms Milking Farm. What would be at our milking farm? Would we be focused on a plentiful, speedy collection? I, I think we'd be more about the amenities, snacks, drinks, yeah, comfort, definitely. comfortable couches, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the top-notch clients would get spoiled. Don't get us wrong, you know? Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, we're going to have some plush accommodations. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's going to be comfy in there. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I was stoked when you said you wanted to do this book. You've read this three times now, right? Yes. It's around three. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yup. Because I just you know what I love about I love about this book in particular is it. Like, it's one of those that, like, does so much in, oh. in very, in, like, not very many pages, you know? It is very efficient and economical with everything it's got going on in Absolutely. it. And it's surprisingly activist and feminist Hell in ways yeah. that I just love. Yeah, the commentary on labor, like, yes. labor on its own, and then yes. sex work as labor, it, yes. it, like, specifically was w- just wonderful. And then I really like the style where... You're not super sure where you are all the time in the timeline. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun because it it mirrors the way I think, you yeah. know, I'll be doing one thing and then I'll like remember something that happened before and then that weaves into what I'm doing. And it's, it's just this lovely little journey it and is. like zero angst, which, you know, I need a lot of times. <laughs> I need some zero oh. angst reads. 
zero angst and also a really good geography of fantasy and reality like mm. when she is in the city it's a reality that i'm very familiar with and yep. there's only tiny little signs of the fantasy world and then when she's in cambric creek mm-hmm. it's clearly a fantasy world yeah and it's so interesting truly truly, truly. okay so we should start let's get started let's get started let's do it because violet is in her apartment and yep. boy, she's having a hard time with a video that's on the screen. <laughs> My favorite part is the fact that a plentiful, speedy collection is the first line and it is a continuing theme. And I'm just like, you know what? It's good to have goals and expectations and to make them clear. Also, in terms of labor commentary, yes, the support training and guidance provided by this milking farm yes. is the best onboarding I have ever fucking seen. Ever seen. Like, I'm wondering if CM Nascosta, like, in a previous life was some sort of, like, I don't know, organizational communications major or a a corporate whatever. Because seriously, like, the way Seriously, yes. Especially, especially in a situation where you click on the link being like, I have no fucking clue what this job is going to be. Turns out it's Minotaur hand jobs. Yeah, exactly. Morning Glory Milking Farm does not communicate much. But then you click the link and it's like, oh... Okay. It's so good. And like the fact that they make that, especially with that jarring, um, that jarring like setup so comfy is oh, yeah. really, really good. Like, you know exactly what's happening because chances are, I mean, think about how people come to this book. A lot of people come to this book by word of mouth. Yes. Like, you've got to read this book. It's about Minotaur milking. Right. I, <laughs> what, what? And, and I confess, I had to Google Minotaur because I was getting them mentally confused with centaurs. Ooh, so when yeah. they started describing things, I was like, I need to Google this. Yeah. So when you have people who are coming to this book and thinking, oh, OK, mil- Minotaur milking and the milking farm itself is such a responsible company. Oh. I love it. I yes. love this. Yes. Every every company should be like the milking farm. Thank you. I mean, client facing and employee facing, everything is efficient and comfortable and professional and yes. great. And their training is exquisite. So oh. we open with Violet in her apartment going through this training as she is introduced to how to apply for the job. And there's this very perky fox-faced woman who's like, who's just like a plentiful, speedy collection. And then she's like doing a hand job. She's like, oh, I, I really like at this point to really stimulate, continue the manual stimulation as I put that sucker fish on the suckerfish fleshlight thing <laughs> on the erection. Oh, it's so good. I also love that technologically, yeah. the milking farm only gives prospective employees eight hours of access to their training portal so that they can watch everything and then think, all right, is this right for me? Mm. Seriously, this is one of the best onboarding sequences I have ever encountered. And I'm kind of mad it doesn't exist in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really think that this model should be sent out <laughs> oh god <laughs> to everywhere i subscribe to a bunch of subreddits so the subreddit anti-work had a big old meltdown recently and it's sort of coming back from a big old public relations disaster oh, geez. but there's workers revolt and a lot of basically we do not have to exist as corporate human capital we are people yes. and i love that this whole book like everyone in that subreddit could read this and be like yes I I love it here. I love it. Yeah. All right. So she's thinking to herself, like, I I am very uncomfortable with this because I do come from a puritanical human culture. Yep. Although at this point, she doesn't see that it's like particularly human. She just knows that like something's embedded in her that makes it very uncomfortable. But yep. She has got a metric fuck ton of student loans. I mean, like, she is a millennial to the T. She is me. Tons of student loans. I mean, me five years ago, because boy, was I really aggressive. And then she's also got credit card debt, which I didn't even have to deal with. And I still felt like I was drowning. She's just in a bad spot. She can barely pay her rent. Yep. And there's nothing in her field because she's like a museum lady. Yep. And she says later, which is the truest thing, one of my best friends is in like the public history sphere. Yes. And she's had a really hard time getting anything in her field because Violet is right. Like either 
the positions, the entry-level positions you won't get hired for because you're overqualified. And also they pay jack shit. Oh, Um, yeah. Or the people at the top do not retire until after they die. Nope. Absolutely. And it's rough. So she's like, this is benefits. It's flexible scheduling so I can still apply and interview elsewhere. No experience necessary, on-the-job training, two weeks vacation, full benefits, including dental. Dental. And she was like, uh, the advertised starting salary was higher than any of the jobs open in her field. And she was just like, I don't even know what this is, but this seems too good to be true. Which, isn't that just the job market experience? Like, this is just too good to be true? Mm Yep. Absolutely. Dental. Love it. I know, right? Also, the fact that dental is decoupled from most insurance plans is utter horseshit because your teeth your teeth are a me- necessary part of your overall health. It should not be a separate thing. But that's yeah. a whole other soapbox. No, my stepdad, uh, my stepdad got a staph infection from an oh, infected God. tooth. Yeah. Oh, God. Like he almost died because his teeth weren't taken care of. My teeth went to absolute crap when I was pregnant. I was about eight and a half months pregnant. And you know how the pH of your mouth changes the the later into pregnancy you get. And it was to the point where breathing hurt. So I had to have six root canals on three teeth in six separate sections (gasps) because the normal um, Novocaine that they use, they can't use because it stimulates fetal heartbeat. So I had to have a less effective numbing agent, have six sessions. When they did x-rays... I tell you, when I was I was unable to breathe for very long because I was wearing probably four lead drapes across my oh. abdomen because I was big pregnant and oh, my teeth yeah. were going to hell. And this was an emergency. This yeah, was considered yeah, yeah. an emergent, like I, I was going to not be able to eat soon. Right. And I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I do? I, I floss, I brush, I take care of my teeth. And they're like, this is not your fault. No. This is, this is just what happens. And this I was is like, biological. Yeah, the, the the pH of your mouth changes substantially. And mm-hmm. I, I was like mortified. And they were like, it's really fortunate that you have dental coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Which, of course, is a separate add-on, which is bullshit. And which, of course, so much of the American population can't even think about getting. No, no. Can't even consider it. Actually, nope. one of my favorite TikTokers is a, um, is a woman who had a similar experience during pregnancy, except she lost all her teeth. Oh, God. And so oh. she, but she does oh. these amazing, like, transformation videos where she's like, I'm beautiful no matter if I have my dentures out, no matter if I have makeup on or whatever. But she'll go from, like, her, her natural face to, like, this utter glam. And yeah. it's honestly inspiring. Like, it's really fun. Anyway, I'll try to link it in the show notes because I can't remember her handle right now. Okay, I'm sorry. So it's dental, everybody. Okay. Dental. (laughs) So she goes in for the, like, I don't know, the orientation, should we call it? Mm -hmm. Group interview, group, you know, group. Like, I think that their way of doing this, like every company should be like the milking farm, first Mm. of all. But one of the ways in which they invite employee applicants is to be like, all right, you got you got this time to look at these videos. If you think you're interested, come in. I don't think the job is particularly difficult, but it does require a lot of awareness, situational management, people skills, some physicality. And so they're really trying to, I think, screen for people who are going to be like, oh, my God, I'm doing what? No, I got to go. Like you should know before you go into being there in person, you should know what you're getting into. And they make it very clear. Yes, absolutely. So the pre-screening is great. And then the group environment is honestly brilliant. Yes. But before she goes in, she has one of her awful conversations with her mom. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Did this seem like semi-familiar to you? Extremely familiar. Extremely familiar. (laughs) Oh, yes. And and it's so interesting. I think as a writer, this shows such skill because Mm. there are so many ways to interpret her mother's behavior. Mm -hmm. Like I interpreted it as smothering and threatening, manipulative, underhanded and deceitful. Whereas I think somebody who has a really good relationship Maybe with a healthy their parents. One. <laughs> right. Who knows what that's like? I don't. But nope. <laughs> they would probably read this and interpret it as, oh, she really just wants her daughter to be home right. and she really wants her daughter near her. And I understand that there are people who have these relationships with their moms where they hang out. Like that's yeah. a thing. I do not have this, but mm-hmm. I am very pleased that people do. And I think that they would read this and be like, oh, she really just wants her daughter to move home and her daughter just needs to grow up and could see this as 
a relatively healthy interaction. Sure. And because meanwhile, but the words don't change. You and I are just like, no, all of the hairs on my home. body stood up. Like I was yep. like, no, run, get away, don't go back. Because her mom, I mean, you know, from a healthy perspective, let's just try it, Sarah. Her okay. mom is like, <laughs> her mom is like, you know, oh, you can come back home and like there's a loft above the garage if you don't want to live in your childhood bedroom. Like we can accommodate you. Yeah. And, you know, there's this. You wouldn't have to be worried about rent. You'd oh. be out of the city. And I mean, her mom has to know how much how much debt she's carrying. Yes. Not necessarily the full number, but she has to know that her her daughter is in a lot of student loan debt. Right. I mean, this is a very millennial situation, unfortunately. Absolutely. So, but on one Violet hand, it, it really likes her independence. She, yeah. she feels like even just living in Bridgeton, the city that is a little bit integrated. Every time like, I saw it, I thought it said Bridgerton, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Oh, me too. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so moving to Bridgerton for grad school. But do you study at Bridgerton Grad School? I know, right? Me? I know wisteria and butts. Is I that know. what we study? Is there, mm-hmm. is there, are there, is there any cunnilingus on stairs involved? Yeah. Like, please poor let me know. Poor back. I swear, the poor woman's back. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> she seemed fine, though. So. And her mother always seemed to know when to call, always knew when she was at her lowest and most vulnerable, always with an abundance of love, overflowing with compassion and eager to help, but always at the worst fucking times. Uh, and I really, uh, I admire so much the balance of healthy and unhealthy, uh-huh. where you can interpret that so many ways, but what Violet wants is autonomy. Yes. And the financial precarity of her of her situation and her employment situation is making autonomy very difficult. Mm -hmm. I I understand. Yeah, absolutely. So well done. Really, really well done. Yeah. So she goes to this group orientation and then she decides to take the job. And the process is she has a week of shadowing a seasoned technician. I love this part. Good. And then slowly throughout that week, like toward the end of the week, she gets mm-hmm. a chance to start milking herself. And the tech is right there to not only facilitate the client interaction, but also to make sure that like all the all the check marks are done and all the equipment is right. It's and my gosh, really they have a it, it it is so well designed. It's like clockwork. Yes. Yes. Boom, boom. You put the thing in the thing. It goes to get cleaned. It, you have labels. It's all checked. There's uh-huh. a check. It's, I was I was very, very like flush with admiration for all of this organization. Completely. And, and client and employee support. The employees are so well supported by that organization. Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts, right? Because they managed to make this facility that not only is incredibly professional and very assembly line and very organized and all of those things, but it doesn't objectify the client. It doesn't end up objectifying the tech. It manages to be professional and um, not, not aloof, but, you know, maintain that, that professional separation while still looking at each party as an autonomous being worthy of respect. Yeah. Like it's it's really great. It's the balance really is incredible. Yeah, the only place where there's objectification is when when there's the different types of clients, and we'll get to that. Yes. Some of them have costume requests. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So cute. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the of the first chapter, I have to say, yeah, is when Violet finds out why they're milking all these minotaurs. Why Man. are they milking all these minotaurs? Because minotaur semen is used to make human erection drugs. Well, because of course men. that's why. Because men. Then, then this is, I, I read this in the first chapter and I was like, this author has my heart. Yes. That human men placed an enormous importance on their dicks was no surprise. The whole world seemed to be designed for cocks, offices that were too cold, seatbelts that cut across the neck instead of sitting comfortably oh. across the chest, medicines that had only ever been tested on one segment of the population. Oh. Modern conveniences designed with only one half of the population in mind, at least mm-hmm. in the human world, so that the discovery that there was an entire underground industry devoted to human men's erections was not at all surprising. And no. I was like, OK, this is what good fantasy does. Good right. fantasy takes this absolutely imaginative universe and grounds it very specifically in a human identifiable uh-huh. detail. And that I was like, I am here. I am on board. I can see what you're doing with yes, this. Absolutely. And I am. 
I am here for it. Yeah. Yes, all of those things are true. Right. I love the little subtle feminism of Same. it. Same. And it immediately situates you in the perspective, which I yes. absolutely loved. Yes, absolutely. No question. That yeah. tiny little grounding of reality, like I identify with this part of that world. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I understand. Yes, you are milking Minotaur because... Because Minotaurs, men. Minotaurs, Minotaurs. How do you... The plural of Minotaur is Minotaurs, right? Minotaurs, yeah. Yeah. So you are milking minotaurs because human men need erection need medicine. boners and they can't handle it on their own. <laughs> That's, you know. I, I Of course. Of course you are. And they won't just like go down on you for a long time. Like, no. it's not that hard, no. you know, nope. like you just have nope. to practice. It can be tricky at first. I get it. Right. Trickier. However. Yep. Once you get it down, it's fine. Oh, hey, HBs. I don't know if you've heard, but we have a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get over 150 bonus episodes, most of which include Aaron, videos of regular episodes, author hangouts, and so much more. Do you want to hear Aaron and I recap every single episode of Crash Landing on You? What about a little film called Psycho Stripper? Do you want more recaps of ridiculous Thanksgiving and other holiday books and movies? And how do you feel about Naima Simone and I recapping amazing reality TV? All of that and more is on the Patreon. There's so much content at your fingertips as soon as you sign up. Seriously, hours and hours. Anyway, it's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast if you want to check it out. And of course, that link is in the show notes. Keep being a badass. Okay, so anyway. So now, okay, so now we have to go to when she starts training. Yes. With the wonderful antenna girl. What is her name? I can't remember. They're such good names. Shoot. The other detail I loved is that she keeps talking about burnt coffee, and I know exactly what she's talking yep. about. Okay, anyway, she starts doing this, and this is where we start to learn about the different types of clients, and we also get this really excellent conversation about sex work and the difference between sex work and the cultures in which it is sort of shamed and the cultures in which it's not. It's kind of incredible. So let's go through the clients, shall we? Let us. Oh. All right, so there are the earners, and the earners are the bulls that come in. They can they can put their hands on their hefty testes and tell you, mm, it's going to be about 23.5 ounces today, and they're on the mark because they are here for a paycheck. Yep. They want to make sure that you get every single drop because this is a side job. God damn yep. it. It's a well-paying side job. That's correct. They get very well compensated for delivering a uh, a speedy collection. Well, we'll pay anything for dudes boners. Yeah, it's true. Like, anyway, plentiful collection is their specialty. Ah, oh, so good. And those are the and they're earners because they make everything easier for everyone. Yes, they're like, I'm here to jack off into this bottle. You do the thing, I do the thing, I get paid, next person, all good. Right, exactly. So those are the earners. And then there are the clock watchers. And these I would, I, I personally saw as like Andy J. Christopher's stern brunch daddy minotaurs <laughs> who like come in and they're like, I'm on my lunch break. And they, they've got their, their shiny watches and their suits. And they're just like, I'm here to get it done and get out. And that's it. Yep. And then there are the good little cows who are the fetishists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how this book operates on two levels as mm. far as fetish is concerned, because yeah. there's obviously an engagement with the fetish of, I don't know the name for it, but I know that there's a fetish of just come everywhere. Big, yep. messy, smeary sex. Like yes. that is definitely a fetish. And then also the gigantic cock fetish. Of like course. The, I, I would guess it would be stuffing fetish, maybe. Oh, I'll yeah, sure that, maybe. 
Maybe, but there's fetishes being played with on the surface by what Violet finds intriguing. Yes. But then inside the book, there's the fetish of these bulls who want to be milked like cows. Yes. So there's like multiple levels of fetishization, and Uh it shows that even in the fantasy cultures, there are fetishes for every type of being. Absolutely. And I loved loved the fact (laughs) that like it was was never quite spelled out because fetishes although they might be called the same thing a lot of times they call to different parts of people's psyche you know yeah so like there there are the good little cows who will talk about like oh yeah i'm gonna come so hard for you when you milk me like that or whatever and then there are the good little cows who want to pretend they are milk cows and that you are a milk maid and they and would then, like you to wear scrubs like an alpine milkmaid or denim overalls. Yes. Or there was, wasn't there a, um, like a, it was probably the milkmaid later on. One of the other employees is is wearing like scrubs that are a full costume. Yes. She's like, all right. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, so I really, I really liked that she she kept it a little vague just because that's so how fetishes work on a on a micro level. Yeah. And fetishes engage in a lot of ways with things that are um, considered taboo or deviant. And so if you have different beings with different cultures, what's considered deviant for them is going to be different from what humans consider deviant or taboo. And I just love how, you know, look, if you are a being who is alive and engages sexually, there's probably a fetish community. Totally. And when they talk about the biology of how some creatures in this world are in heat and sex is a biological imperative, mm-hmm. they're in pain if they don't, right. then even the concept of sex work takes on a different meaning. Because at that point, it is healthcare. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And she actually she actually expands on that and plays with it. Have you read Maybon Feast? No, I haven't read that one. I've read the one with the girls with the girls road trip with oh, okay. the elves who who get busy. I've yeah, read yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. So uh, Maybon Feast, we recapped it for Bonkers Romance. And it is so fun because one of the things she plays with is that heat. The, oh. the spider centaur hero goes into heat and it's excellent. Like she wow. really fighter, follows like spider biology in a lot of ways. Wow. It's really fun. Really well done. I was obsessed with it. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. The trainer can tell that she's a little bit uncomfy. Yeah. And Kirime. Kirime. Yeah, Kirime. Thank you. Or Kirime. I think it's Kirime. Right. I would say Kirime. Yeah. And Violet has noticed that she's one of very, very few humans there, which mm-hmm. is kind of awesome, especially for us, because we get to hear about like the different species that C.M. Nascosta imagines in this fantasy world. Yeah. It's it's really intricate and really fun. So Violet's like, you know, she sort of says something that Karime, Karime's like, well, I mean, it's not it's not sex work, although I have no problem with sex work. But like, especially on our end, it's just not. Like, it's a, a manual labor that we do, and it's sexual for some of the clients, but yeah. a lot for a lot of the clients, it's not even sex work. Yeah. Because in this culture, like, like minotaurs will come in married with kids, and, like, there's a conversation later with a, a minotaur that's like, that's like, yeah, my, my oldest is going to college, and, like, we're really just trying to save up as much scratch as possible to make that happen. And they have this whole conversation about, like, what he should be eating to produce more sperm and cum and all the things. Yeah. And there's also this duality where for some of them it's a fetish and for some of them it's not. Right. But essentially what the what the minotaurs who are coming in are doing is participating willingly in the commodification of their semen. Yes. Their semen, which doesn't necessarily feel bad to provide to the milking farm, right. is worth money. So yes. all they have to do is jack off in a tube and sell their sperm. And it's not even going to be used for fertilization. It's going to be used to give humans boners. So they're, right. they are participating willingly in the commodification of their own body. And as one character says later, like, I would rather get paid for it than just, you know, have it go down the drain in the shower. Yeah, that's the hero later on. Exactly. They're willingly participating in this situation where they're getting paid for it. Yeah. And one of the things I really, really liked about that interaction particularly was that he said you know humans have commodified us 
Yeah. So why not? Like it's it's almost like this. I don't know. It almost feels like an act of reclamation and activism. Yeah. And she who is in financial straits Mm. is not being commodified. She's doing work. That's right. And so it's not as if she is being commodified or her body is being commodified. Because if you think about it in contemporary times right Mm. now, what of your body can you literally sell to earn money? You can sell plasma. Right. You can get you can donate your eggs, which is actually quite painful. Yeah. Uh, You can donate sperm to a sperm bank. Uh You can get paid for different parts of your body. You can be a surrogate. You can be a surrogate. Yeah. Depending. uh, There's an age requirement. Yes. There's like an age limit for that. And you're not allowed to be unpaid, which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. But you you can do this. You can sell parts of your body to earn money. But it's usually very complicated and especially for things like egg collection, very painful. Yes. This is someone who is in financial straits getting a really, really good job. But the commodification is taking part on the pl- on the part of the clients yeah. who are willingly participating in that. So it's separating those two. And I... Love that exploration. I Love know. It. I know. So you can sort of tell how much thought went into the world. Oh, my God. I love that yeah. so much because it's like, oh, you've actually thought about the implications of what is happening with these characters and why this system exists the way it does. Right. Right. It. It's brilliant. There's also the pop and goes who are the oh that's right oh my god the, the minotaurs who show up are are usually for the first time they are they're like oh it's going to be so big and then the minute the sucking nozzle hits them they're like kapow and then they leave and they won't even look at you cuz they're so embarrassed <laughs> it's very cute yeah yeah Okay, so she's working like the full week and she feels like she's you know pretty comfortable with the whole thing she's She's very fastidious about the checklists and setting things up and all of that. And then Karime She's says, such a "Perfectionist, this uh, woman. Violet yes. is such a perfectionist." Mm-hmm. And Karime is like, "Okay, you get to do the next client." Yeah. And so she's very nervous. All of a sudden, like all of the things she knows goes out of her brain because of the nerves. Yeah. And boy, did that hit me like a ton of bricks. And oh, she goes yeah. in, and who walks in but this very stern clock watcher? He has got a suit on. He literally tells her in a gruff manner, I'm on my lunch break. Mm -hmm. She cannot. Yeah, she cannot speak. And so Karime is over there going, "Okay, well, we've got a trainee today, but we're going to get you in and out as soon as possible. And so this is the first time she is doing the milking. And it's really funny. I really liked this. I liked the fact that both she and the reader didn't understand whether or not it was special, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's doing the milking and she realizes that, like, she's pretty darn into it. Yeah. And things are. And she's creative and she's responsive. Yes. part Part of her job is to be present and responsive so that when she does something, like she slides her pinky around the edge of his foreskin and he reacts to that, she's like, okay, understood. I'll keep doing things like that. She is present and responsive to what's happening. Uh huh. But she is not prepared for how much it turns her on. Right. She says, like, it sends a tingle. Down yeah. her and and like, she doesn't yeah. super know how to even confront that within herself, no, let alone she's anything super else. Super uncomfortable with her own response, right? But one of the things that I really really loved because as as an achiever, as a, <laughs> a you know a perfectionist myself, a lot of times I loved the fact that she was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should be so proud, but the fact that I just got like a huff out of this clock watcher because they're normally incredibly stoic. Yep. And so the fact that she's getting responses from him and then she's like, oh yeah, all right, you like the pinky around the inside of your foreskin? Neato. Can do. And then it gets to the point where after she puts the nozzle on, she's like, all right, I saw the fox face woman and she, she went for it you know yeah. and so i'm going to do it too and so she like puts more lube on her hands and she starts like pulling on his testicles and <sighs> running her finger down the seam in between them oh yeah 
And there's a lot of discussion in the terms of her doing her job with her hands where the minotaurs, did you notice this? They're, they all have a big ridge for your pleasure. Yes. Like they have a big bulge in the middle. Uh-huh. I was like, these, these guys are actually ribbed for pleasure. I uh-huh. love it. Yep. No, it's for your goddess spot. That's yep. one of the that's one of my favorite things about the Maybon feast. The witch, the witch is the heroine, and she yeah. calls her G spot the goddess spot. You damn right it's it pretty is. Pretty great. Yeah, right? I was like, fuck yeah. <sighs> okay, so So uh, she's like, she's into it and she wants to do a good job. Yes. Absolutely. And she's conflicted by the fact that she's kind of drawn to this particular client she's like wait what am i doing her she has a lot of conflict inside by how much she is responding to this particular client right and she then realizes we realize with her throughout the rest of the day that it was special because she Mm -hmm. encounters other bulls she does more milkings and like it's nothing it's a job nothing she's just going through the motions making sure that she does the best job but like Nothing else happens for her. Yes. Yes. And then the end of her first day, she gets tips. <gasps> I love this part. Me too. She gets tips. They get little envelopes with her employee number. And so she just puts them in her pocket and heads home because she has to deal with that one particular client's uh, arousal that yeah. she has she has been carrying around with her poor thing. Yeah. Now she's so she's carrying all this debt and now she's carrying hours and hours of this turnonification. Oh god. Yeah. From just a, that one client and not the others, no, just this one and she's like one. what was it about this guy but oh my god, I need to get off uh-huh. now right now. So we get an, a really nice masturbation scene back at her place. And yes. she's thinking about the way that he like huffed and like the one grunt she got out of him. And that is what her fantasy is, which meaty I. Meaty balls. Meaty balls. Those meaty Listen, balls. Meaty balls. And uh, this is one of the first books in a long time where I've read the word cockhead multiple times. I haven't seen oh, yeah. that word in a while. Usually that was like <laughs> old school purple prose historical romance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cockhead. Yeah. There's a lot of cockhead. And she is really flustered by the fact that she is so turned on, but she also knows she's really turned on and she's going to take care of herself. Right. Actually, yep. I don't know why this just hit me, but I think one of the reasons I really like this book is that not only does it have the commentary about how the world is like unfairly centered around the phallus and those who hold them. The human male phallus, yeah. Right. But then Can it's confirm. also kind of an ode to the phallus as well because there's so many descriptions of like the big fucking cocks. Oh man, and the way that like like the different sections of the anatomy and the ways that she can stimulate them and how empowering that is for her. Yeah. Even if it's just in a professional capacity, like, holy shit. So, like, it really does capture, like, the problematic portions of that as well as the hot. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Nascosta. I'm finding layers, like, that after three times reading it, I hadn't noticed. So after she gets off, she looks at her tips. One tip is a crisp new folded hundred dollar bill and she knows exactly which client that was oh. but then this is my favorite part <gasps> like of of the way in which violet embodies the reality of being in debt yeah. she could pay her cell phone bill without needing to carry the monthly late fee and then the money saved from the late charge would be applied to her student loans yes. or the credit cards and that 100 dollar bill meant m- means a tiny amount of progress for her to get out of debt yes and i was like that is is just as important as her feeling of safety and security in having this job is that she is able to make progress with the things that she has been carrying with her yes like so you got a really good orgasm and you're making progress in your debt this is a win have a good night's sleep girl you that's right that's right sleep Tight. <laughs> yeah. Sleep tight. Have good good dreams. Very good dreams. Oh, it's so good. I also love that each chapter starts with an image of a spilling milk bottle with MG on it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I appreciate 
a creatively formatted and thoughtfully formatted ebook mm-hmm. as much as you know people who love paper books appreciate when there's like deckled edges or dye right. or illustrations or beautiful end papers like i get it i like when thought is taken and i just want to imagine the sequence of email messages if an artist was hired like what are what is what did the email and and discussion look like to right. create this logo I love oh. it so much. Like, I need to put an image of a spilling milk bottle at the start of each chapter. And here's what I need it to look like. And there, it's it's very subtle, but it's very suggestive at the same time. It is. And I'm just, I'm just so charmed. <laughs> yeah, it's really, gosh, it's nice. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <sighs> and then I, she uh, learns. Yeah. After three weeks, since she completes her training, she learns about the cash bonus for the most productive milking associate. And she is on it. She's and she's like, like challenge accepted. accepted. Yes, yeah, she's doing it. Now, I will say this was when I first noticed something about this book and this writing style that was a quirk that irritated the living fuck out of me. And it's Tell minor. Me. All right. So if you control F in this book yeah. and you search the word little Little shops, little square, little coffee shop, little boutique, little this, little that. Yeah, Everything yeah. having to do with Cambric Creek. The, the cuteness is described as little. The word little is used over 200 times. Whoa. And every time I saw it, I started noticing it. it, it this was a quirk that started to bug the shit out of me. Odd little shops, quaint little bandstand, little green market, and vibrant little community that was in one paragraph i was like there needs to be another word to describe the quaint charm of this town but the default in the writing is little not a fan got real tired but i'm also the person who notices patterns yeah so the minute i notice something i'm like oh yeah excuse me i beg your pardon i got my numbers wrong it's not 200 it's 112 times i actually did a search and okay wrote it down 112 times i stand corrected (laughs) still everything about the town everything about the structure of the town is little 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 i can understand that to contrast with big minotaurs and the big orcs and the big creatures yeah but but i don't understand it because of that not everything can be little because you've got eight foot orcs Citizens. Coming to get coffee. Yeah. Coming to get coffee. Yeah. Like everything mm-hmm. should actually be bigger to have and then have accommodations for littler creatures. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, it was it it was like it was like a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a crutch. A, a, a tick. A yeah, tick. A crutch or a tick. Like, you know, every if you're a podcaster, you learn your own verbal. Oh, ticks. boy. Do I ever <laughs> with and so I empathize, but everything about the town and the in the buildings and the businesses, everything is little, little, little. And I was like, oh, OK, we need a different word. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. is really my only major struggle with this book. Otherwise, I was in. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, HBs, I started an Etsy store. Did you know right now it's full of all the St. Vincent items you need? Because St. Vincent is thoughtful and cozy all year round. We've got a book sleeve to keep your books, planners, e-readers, or really anything else safe when you're on the go. The inside is fuzzy and they feel so incredibly lush in your hands. I went round and round with the manufacturers to make sure I had just the right thickness. Those feature art of St. Vincent and Evie during their carriage adventure that was painted by the amazing Mayara Faraz on one side, and then I created a St. Vincent Would Always wreath on the other side that has a bunch of little Easter egg items in it. There's a St. Vincent Would Always warm brick enamel pin. It's like, you know, if you know, you know. I designed a special edition marriage of convenience candle that is specific to Devil in Winter with the help of HB Jen at Post Pouring Company. It combines dark amber for St. Vincent and rosewood for Evie. And it smells so delicious. It's hard to even wrap my brain around. So if you want to treat yourself or be the St. Vincent you want to see in the world by getting a care package for a friend, check out our Etsy store. The link is in the show notes. So she goes back to work. Go ahead. Yeah. 
and she goes, they're getting their morning assignments. Yeah. And I think Magda the Orc, question mark. Is kind of an asshole. A little bit of an asshole. She is like, oh my gosh, you know, hold on, Violet. I forgot to give you, or no, I, you need this one file. And then she does blame Violet for like, you need to check it over, blah, blah, blah. But the file that she send, that she gives her has a little purple like post-it note on it. And it's yeah. because she has gotten her very first request. Ooh. And then Magda tries to blame her. You yeah. need to check. And Karime comes in and is like, no, that's not her job. That's your job. And you need to do your job. That's literally and in your job description, Magda. Like, that's literally your job. <laughs> and I like that there are employees who are not great. Yes. But that Karime is is confident enough to actually say to one of her colleagues, actually, no, you're handling this wrong and you need to correct this yes. problem. Like, ooh, damn. Yeah, I really liked it. Because I didn't really get a sense of hierarchy except between trainer and trainee. Mm -hmm. I Like there weren't there weren't like middle managers. No, no. So Karime has the authority to tell Magda, no, actually, you're not allowed to blame someone else for you not doing your job. So you fix that problem. Like, yeah, oh, that's damn. true. That's very true. It. So, oh, and then she does get cum all over her. Yeah. A pop and go pop sooner than she thought they would. <laughs> With no warning. And it's, and in, and we're talking about at least 14 to 16 ounces. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a deluge. It is quite I a would lot. Say. <laughs> it's gross. And, and she's just sticky. And it's it's just... Like later on, you learn that their cum is so thick and viscous, you need to break it down with an enzyme or it will clog the drain. Right. So it's not like a small amount of semen. It, and I'm trying to think of an appropriate comparison. Maybe it's like getting hit with, you know, 24 ounces of really thick lip gloss. Oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, like this isn't just like a normal fluid. This is it's like getting hit with like spackle. Or glue. Like she's yes. just covered in thick, sticky Like mess Elmer's glue. To, yeah. Almost. It's, it's a lot. Don't put it down the drain. No. Like, it's a lot. And she's covered in it. She's not happy. Yeah. Yeah. But then, so she showers and changes and does all the things. And then she yep. gets to go to her requested appointment. Yes. And oh, is there one particular clock watcher that walks in that door? Yes. He's got this crisp business shirt on that she's like kind of in love with. She talks about the subtle mint striping of it. Like, oh, I love man. It. Yeah. She notices what he's wearing. She notices his hair. She notices the color of his clothes. Mm -hmm. She wonders about his tail. Like, how do you deal with that with business pants? Yeah. She and notices... the bulging thighs. Yeah. And Which... his well-rounded backside. Uh-huh. Yep. Whew. And so the very first words that are spoken between them is him asking her, how are you today? Yes. And apparently he did not speak hardly at all the first time. So the fact that he's making conversation is very surprising. Yeah. The only words he really spoke last time was to set up the expectation that this is a business transaction that needs to happen. I'm on my lunch quick. break. Yeah. And, like I'm not here to screw around. Right. And now yep. he's trying to like make small talks. Oh, wow. And so um, she says, it's nice to see you again. Yeah. And... Then she actually gets like uh, honest with him, and she's like, "Actually, you know what? I'm I'm like well, I'm like fine, but it's honestly been a disastrous day, and I have been behind all day, and like it's been a mess." And so he's like, and "That's an intimacy, isn't it?" Yes, that's an intimacy to just to say, "How are you?" I'm fine. Actually, no, I am not fine. I, I have had not. a day. And that's her asking him to recognize her as a person, which yes. he's willing to do. So it's an act of verbal intimacy. Yes. That I that that means that he is going to be aware of her as a person, which clearly he already is. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But I really do like it because, again, it sort of delineates the fact that he didn't request her because nope. he objectifies her. Nope. He, he requested her because she did a really good job and he enjoyed it, but he doesn't see her as uh, an object like the big sucky nozzle thing. Correct. She's a person. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So then, um, and so he says, like, does that mean that I'm the origin of your bad luck? No. 
Oh. No. It's so cute. It is. Like, he's worried about her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, like, he asks in, like, a very gruff way, are you still in school? And she has to be like, no, I'm done with grad school. I'm, like, a grown-up professional lady and shit. And he really likes that, if I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) And she says, I'm waiting for a job in my field that actually pays the bills. And he says, yeah, it's difficult out there. He understands. Yeah. And then he asks if they treat her well there. Yes. I love that. He's like, how are your working conditions? Please let me know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, They're generous to clients. It's a relief to hear they treat employees well, mm -hmm. too. Like, Mm -hmm. he is cognizant of what he's participating in with her. Oh! Right. And, okay, so this whole time... What what a fucking dreamboat. What a dreamboat. So, okay, (laughs) we we forgot to tell them what the situation is. And this is only uh, important because of the conversation they're having and the way it progresses. So, basically, the technicians are on the lower floor. And then the minotaurs are on an upper level. And they sit straddling what they call a breeding bench, which is sort of like a a sit-up massage chair Kind yeah. of situation, except st- it does have a cock hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's th- – their cocks are very big, so it's a very big hole. Indeed. But that means that she is operating maybe a half step lower so that yes. she is at arm's reach facing his cock. Right. And so he is up and she is down. It's a yes. two-level situation. Yeah. Very important thing to know. You're right. Yeah. So this whole conversation, he's been sitting on the bench, but yep. he's been sort of backed up so that he yep. can ask her about her working conditions and school yeah. and all of that sort of thing. And then he's like, "Okay, well, I guess I should let you get started. started. And And then she realizes that he is hard because they've been talking to each other. He is turgid. (laughs) He is boulderous, listener. Okay, Like, he's already like his pre-cum is already dripping because they've been talking hard because they've been talking about her working conditions and her status as a student with debt or a former student with debt. Yep. Yep. She, he, he is super into her and she isn't sure if he is. Right. Because she's like, well, his job is to be hard and then ejaculate into a milk bottle. So it may not be me. Yeah. Listener. It's totally her. It's totally her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I yeah, like yeah, that yeah. she's not sure, but she's like, mm, I've got an inkling. Yeah, and I'll enjoy it. I feel like it's probably me. <laughs> yeah. He did, he did request me after all, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. And she keeps arguing with herself, like, what is wrong with you? This is a client. You should not respond this way. Yeah, And it hasn't, it hasn't quite struck her that he's the only client with whom she has this reaction. She's like, this is inappropriate. I don't like this. But also, I'm super into it. Mm-hmm. And you, you need to do your job. Just get him to ejaculate into the bowl or into the bucket and then move on with your day. But it's not like that. This this one is different. Absolutely. And so at the end, the last question he asks her is like, wait, so you have one more appointment today? And she's like, yeah, this is my second to the last slot. And with my usual shift, the next appointment would be my last. And he's like, yeah, hmm, I'll have to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. it's so hot. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, and so she's like, then she goes home and she uh, she does have to masturbate again. And she thinks about, oh, it said it says it was the deep moan he made when he came. She thought of when she reached her peak, clenching yep. around the entirely too narrow vibrator, yep. wishing it possessed his astounding girth as she keened, trying to imagine the mess 24 ounces would make of her sheets. Can I raise the question that it's a little odd that we're using imperial measurements in a scientific facility in a fantasy world? Indeed. It would be metric. Wouldn't it be metric? It would definitely be metric. Huh. But I also know that as a person who is more, much more fluent in imperial than metric, I understand 24 ounces is a lot of fucking fluid. It's a big mess if you drop that on the kitchen floor, which I've done. It's not good. It's really don't not. Drop, don't drop a bottle of olive oil. It is just a bad time. Oh, my gosh. And it's so long to clean. I mean, it's it's sim- I feel like that's a good comparison to the cum, yeah. too. Yes, you're right. It is probably very viscous and thick like olive oil. And It will clog ounces. your drain. 
Yeah, 24 ounces of olive oil is a lot of olive oil. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <sighs> so now she tries out. Oh, she's like talking to her mom on the phone again. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad that you found a job that pays Tell you me money. all about it. She's like, uh, it's a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. yeah. Good work, Violet. Not that not a, not a lie. <laughs> and then she goes to get coffee. But it's like not great. It's got um, diatomaceous earth. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God, why? Why? Why, God? Why would you do that to coffee? I I love the fact that the human world coffee shop that is overpriced and always tastes burnt. I know yes. exactly what that person is talking about. Starbucks. And it, yeah. And it's never. And I used to work in a coffee shop. I know why it tastes burnt. It's because they're overworked and they can't properly clean all the equipment. Yeah. And then it gets singed onto the equipment and it, t- it tastes burnt. Also, they burn their coffee. Correct. But the fact that that is still bad. And then the first coffee shop she tries in Cambrick Creek is like, ew, diatomaceous earth. Oh, my God. And she's paid so much money for this thing. And so she's trying to just like gulp it down and like get it over with. And then she's like, I yep. can't. I can't. This I is can't. terrible. I bought bad coffee. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So okay. she gets off the phone with her mom's like, I got to go. I'm on my lunch break. Bye. And then she's got her last appointment of the day. Everybody. Yes, her mother does say that her childhood sweetheart has moved home, and wouldn't it be nice to meet up with him? And Violet's like, uh, no. a guy who a guy who got divorced before thirty and had to move home. I see that situation as not great. His family, his mom is super excited that he's home and her mom is like, oh, it's so nice. And you could move home and you guys could be together and we'll all just be all happy together. And Violet's like, nope, 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 nope. Do not. Hard pass for Violet. Yeah. Well, especially since she has encountered one particular cock. Like there is a moment where she's like, I, I don't know, like he couldn't possibly be as girthy as somebody I have a giant crush on, you know? Yes. Yeah cock so big it could crush her yeah. i mean just ruin her so yep. so she's got her last appointment of the day and he's like i trust you're having a better day this week and she's like yeah and he's like oh i'm so glad i'm, I'm not a harbinger for bad luck for you so yeah. he's like remembering what her day was like last time and it's so good and he's like maybe i'm your good luck charm in this slot because he is the end of her day Yes, he has asked for her last appointment of the day. And I think that's as much for him as it is for her. Like he wants to be the last one that she sees because he doesn't want to think about her milking any other cocks after his. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it also moves him closer. It also moves him closer. I just thought of this to the border of her not being at work. Oh, yeah. Because he is starting to want to talk to her outside of work. And so if he's the last appointment of the day, it's moving his presence in her life closer to the boundary of work and not work. Yes. Not to mention that she doesn't have another appointment to get to afterwards. So if she wanted to talk for longer, she could Uh and no one would have to worry about it. But she also has the protection of this being her job and needing to clock out. And so she could make that excuse if she wanted to. Yep. It, it is a way to give her control, but also place him in a position where maybe it's also different for her because clearly it's different for him. Yes. Because he's teasing her. He comes in for the appointment and he's teasing her, which is so different from their first encounter. Yeah. And it's really weird for a clock watcher. Yep. Oh, love it. Yeah. So he talks about like there's other milking farms and stuff and they're they're just like yeah. they're having... They're having more conversations, and it's so, so cute. It's super cute. And he tells her about the fact that humans have commodified us, and the financial compensation for a natural bodily function is a no-brainer, especially when you have a mortgage to think about. And how else would family men be able to afford to take their kids to Blinksy Land? And I'm like, I love it! They have a Disney, bless their heart. It's so cute. And it's so true. Yeah. Nice shit costs money. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go stick your dick in a hole and have it milked and get paid, why wouldn't you? Why? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. 
Okay, and then he's talking about the the other facilities, and she's like, so are the other facilities, like, similar in how they operate? And he says they don't have the same personal touch this place does, and the personal touch is a definite perk. And then she surprises herself by saying, I guess it depends on who's doing the touching. Oh, yes. And then he says... There's no doubt about that. The ability to make requests is a perk of the perk without question. Some personal touches are definitely more enjoyable. Yes. Definitely flirty talk. They're flirty bantering and it's hot. Yeah. And, you know, his his cock is just going to hang out there and they're flirting with each other. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Mm-hmm. So do you remember the couple in Love Actually where they are the body models for the porn? Yes. And every scene they're fucking because the the close up is of their bodies fucking. Yeah. But like above the waist, they're just having this get to know you super awkward conversation. Right. It's kind of like that. Like, yes, I'm going to milk your cock, but we're also going to flirt with each other about, you know, things. About like completely mundane things. Yes. And it's a contrast in intimacy, right? The intimate part is not her jacking him off. The Mm -hmm. intimate part is him teasing her about being late and asking about whether or not they treat her well and talking about the personal touch. Like that is the intimacy. I love it. I love it. (sighs) And then she's like, why did you request me? Yeah. And she talks about like, I didn't even know if I could get this job or do a good job at it because I have such tiny human hands. Yeah. And... So, oh my God. So she's like, I'm glad to know the personal touch makes up for that. Is that why you put in the request in the first place? And he goes, well, that and you do have those perfect tiny little hands. (laughs) Oh, really, sir? (laughs) Interesting. Oh, man. Okay. So what happens next? Well, she jerks him off because that's what she's there for. Yes, that's what he's there for. Yes. They fill up a bottle. Yeah. And... She has this habit of after he's done, she pays attention to his balls. And yeah, she does like, like a final little. So she has to like wipe them down, wipe everything yeah, down, clean take them the off. lube and the come off. But yeah. then afterwards, she'll like she'll like put her hand underneath his balls and she calls it giving him like a final squeeze. Yep. Like, bye. <laughs> yep. Like, bye, balls. See you next week. Right. <laughs> And then he asks her, well, where did you go for, for coffee? Yeah. and Because she mentioned that her coffee wasn't good. And, and she and she's tries like, to tell him. she's like, someplace where they put dirt in it. Weird. He's like, like oh. yeah, don't go there. That place is gross. His pink <laughs> nose wrinkling around the gold rings. Because he, he has a gold ring in his nostrils. Because mm-hmm. his head is a bull. And he tells her where to go for good coffee. And then he says... I make a point of pulling away every afternoon for a caffeine fix. So he's just trying to drop a hint of when he'll be at that Mm -hmm. coffee shop. And he says, I expect a review of your experience when you make it. (gasps) Well, until next week. Like, he's so very subtly and respectfully trying to make himself available or aware of her, him, like, make her aware of his schedule without overtly asking her out because they are in her workplace and he is a client. Yeah. What a smart dreamboat he is. He really is. He's very savvy about skirting the lines of sexual harassment. In and, a way and that power I power dynamics. Oh, he is so cognizant of all of the different power differentials yes. here. Financial, professional, client service, age. like all of that. Age. He's about yep. 10 years older than her and very like yep. much more settled into his life. Yes. So good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And then he gives her, she says, oh, after he says, well, until next week, she wasn't expecting the small, the small smile, a brilliant flash of white teeth, his liquid brown eyes crinkling behind his untidy hair, leaving her utterly frozen. Oh, he's a little dreamboat. He really is. Oh, my gosh. That's all for today. Next week, we'll be back with part two of this glorious book, as well as Lady Loves. Make sure to check out the show notes because we put all of Sarah's social media details in there. The Smart Bitches website, everything. You can follow us on Instagram at Heaving Bosoms, 
on Twitter at heaving underscore bosoms. Find us in our Facebook group, the Heaving Bosoms Geriatric Friendship Cult, and treat yourself to tons of bonus content on our Patreon. So keep being a badass and love yourself as much as that fox-faced woman loves continuing to provide manual stimulation. See you next week. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.